With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Oh, yeah. And it is going to be covered by the Saints for a touchdown. It's your inside pass to everything Saints football. Jimmy Graham brings it down. And that is a touchdown, New take you to places most fans never go to practice to the sideline to the locker room following every twist turn and touchdown of the same season that is going to be a touchdown Taysom Hill Taysom TD welcome to inside black and gold and that is going to be a touchdown again and guess who Mike Thomas now here are your hosts Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak oh baby hey guys How's it going? This is Inside Black and Gold. But unlike the Saints GM, I am going to take my gun out. Hold on. Here we go. Okay, that's better, right? I'm going to talk to you for about an hour here. Don't need to be smacking on gum the whole time. That's neither here nor there. But let's get into it. I'm Jeff Nowak, and again, this is Inside Black and Gold. If you couldn't hear that the first time. Ah, uh, got it. I had I had to get that gum. But okay, this is going to be an episode. We're going to go through Mickey Loomis's press conference from this week. It's kind of the last gasp of the 2023 season. We're in my mind, kind of officially done with it. Right, the season ends. We have the head coach press conference. You have an open locker room. You talk to the players. They clear out their lockers. You talk to the GM. That happened. It's basically over. And boy, golly, did it happen! Mickey Loomis talked to us for about 57 minutes. On uh, Tuesday, it was it Tuesday? What's today? Today's Thursday. So it was on Wednesday. <laughs> I've completely lost all track of time. That happens when the season ends because the days no longer matter to me. Anyway, talked for about 57 minutes, went over a lot, went over a lot, talked about Dennis Allen, talked about the offense coordinator. So we're going to get into a lot of that. I'm going to give you my, my main takeaways from that. We're going to play some clips here from Mickey in this first segment. Second segment, I want to get dive into the offensive coordinator specifically. We're going to go over what Mickey said. I want to hear from Lance Moore. I thought he had a good take on Pete Carmichael. And we'll get into kind of where you're at with that, why it might take a while, that sort of thing. And and we'll just kind of dive into a couple candidates who have already kind of emerged uh, over this past week. Final segment is going to be a mailbag, as always. So I'm sure there's going to be a lot of 
a lot of annoyance pointed at at Mickey Loomis, just in the sense of man. Sometimes I wonder. I, I, I so the the funny thing is about the the Dennis Allen take, and I'm going to play the clip here in a second. the The funny thing about it is I don't think that his take is that far off from where I'm coming at it in the sense of you know you have a coach who you're probably not going to fire after year two because you're seeing these markers and you're looking at this and you're you're projecting that it's going to be better next year, right? Like, I, like I, you don't have to agree with me on that. I just think that's kind of where you're approaching it. And <laughs> Mickey comes out with a cue card and basically says the same thing, but in the most insane possible way, which is while comparing Dennis Allen to, to several Hall of Fame head coaches. And, and let's, you know, let's just, let's just listen to it. Let's listen to what Mickey had to say when he was kind of pressed on Dennis Allen, his season, why he feels confident that he can continue this, you know, he can get this team back to the playoffs. He can build on nine and eight rather than fall back. Um, and this is all he had to say. Uh, um, look, here's what I think. I think sometimes, you know, the easy thing to do, the lazy thing to do is look at the results of a season and say, ah, oh, it's a coach's fault or it's a quarterback's fault. I think oftentimes you have to look beyond that. Um, well, I was, I was just, Look, I was prepared for this question, right? Chuck Knoll, his first three years, Hall of Fame coach, he was one and 13, five and nine, six and eight. But they recognize that this guy's a good football coach, right? Bill Belichick, here's his first three seasons, six and 10, seven and nine, seven and nine. Tom Landry, 0 and 11, four and nine, five and eight, four and 10, five and eight. Hall of Fame coaches, all of them. Bill Walsh, first year, two and fourteen. Second year, six and ten. So I think the easy thing to do is just look at the results and say, "Oh no, we've got to have a change." You got to look beyond that. You know, what are the reasons why we were nine and eight instead of, you know, thirteen and four? And look, it's it's collective. It's the players. It's the coaches. It's me. It's our personnel staff. Our roster. It's variables sometimes that we don't have any control of. And so I, I, my assessment is Dennis Allen is a good coach. And again, you know, with Sean Payton, we went 10 and 6 the first year, but then we were 7 and 9, 8 and 8. And I heard some of the same noise. But at the time, I knew we had a good football coach. And so I think sometimes the hard thing to do is to be patient and recognize your other shortcomings and get those fixed. And that's what we're doing. Let's just pause there for a second. There's more to it. And he was pressed on the 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 Raiders part of it all and <laughs> let's just start there no we don't need to sit here and compare Dennis Allen to 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 Tom Landry to Chuck Noll to all of these all of these guys the funny thing is the only one he really needed to point to was Bill Belichick and say like you know Bill Belichick really struggled with the Browns right like Bill Belichick got his career started with the Browns it did not go well he ended up getting fired he landed with the Patriots and obviously you know, until this year, it all it all went pretty well, and now he's looking like he may go coach the Falcons. Uh, that's that's a whole other conversation for a whole other day. But you know, like that's that's all he really did needed to say was like sometimes coaches get off to slow starts, but they they learn from that and they move forward. You know, and 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 I understand that part of it. Now we don't need to sit here and read the records of Tom Landry and Chuck Noll off a cue card, but I do think that there's a point to be made there in. Yes, you can overreact to these first two seasons not going perfectly, but you do have to look beyond that. And I do think that that, that is a correct statement in the sense that far too often, all criticism ends up being fire the coach, bench the quarterback. You don't ever look beyond that. 
And I think there were a lot of issues with this team. We'll get into some of those issues, but you know, I, I do think that there's more to it than that. You know, obviously you fired Pete Carmichael, Cody Burns, Bob Bicknell, Joel Thomas moved on to the Giants. So you're gonna make changes, but I do think that there is some there's a point to be made in the idea of like consistency and whether it's it's good or bad, I understand why you're ending up there. That said, stop talking about Tom Landry and Chuck Noll and, and Bill Belichick. We don't need that. No one needs that. That's not helpful. Okay. We can, okay, let's continue. What are some of the things he's done the last two years or some of the qualities he has that led you to believe that he can get the team back to the playoffs? Yeah, well, um, I, you know, I think the things that the head coach is responsible for, you know, game day management, um, scheduling, all the things that you guys don't see that I see or that we see internally, I feel good about. And, yeah, there, there are certainly areas that he can improve in. Um but look, we've had a quarterback change. We've had, you know, some things changed in the last two, two or three years, and so we got to look at ourselves and say, okay, what, what's our expectations? Are they realistic? And if we're not meeting those expectations, what can we do differently? And I don't believe that uh, um, that that that's the head coach right now. I think I like I like Dennis Allen. I think he's a good coach. You know, you've listed off Belichick and the records there for the mm-hmm. first few seasons. This is open experience. It's not matter at all because it would be. Yeah, man. If you throw that in, it would be year five rather than the first few years. Yeah, it matters. You know, they, it matters. You know, where you're at matters. The experience. Look, I, I think having any head coaching experience is valuable. You learn a lot of things, you know, your first time around. Um, again, you have to look beyond just the record. You know, what was the circumstances when he was in Oakland? You know, they... Basically, we're way over the cap. They had to tear down the team. You know, the quarterback situation. There was a lot of variables there that, and he was given a short amount of time. So, you got to look at all those variables. Yeah. So you know, it, it, it's it's funny. I have this, um, you know, ongoing theme of having these incredibly lukewarm takes on social media, which is like, I don't think that. Derek Carr is the worst quarterback on the planet. And suddenly I'm a Derek Carr stan. And, you know, the, the, yesterday I tweeted that I don't really care about – I don't want to talk about the Raiders anymore. Like, I, I understand why people want to bring up the Raiders, but it was a decade ago for another team, right? Like, that's – I want to talk about the Saints now, and I want to talk about what's going on with the Saints now. And, and I don't think it's productive to constantly be going back, well, he sucked with the Raiders. We know he sucked with the Raiders. What, what are we gaining out of that? The question is whether he learned from his time with the Raiders. And, you know, I have people saying like, okay, well, if you apply for a job, don't you think your job history is something they'll look at? I'm like, yeah, of course it is. When you get hired two years down the road at any job, no, your boss isn't going to say, hey, let's talk about, you know, in 2012 when, when you guys sucked. Right. So like, that's why, like, I, I have no interest in talking about in, in litigating why the Raiders sucked and why Dennis Allen sucked as head coach of the Raiders. Right. Like that's a whole nother era with a different team, with a different regime. We can talk about it and pretend that that entire organization was a dream and it was only Dennis Allen who was, who was dragging it down. It was a, it, it wasn't very well run and the Raiders haven't been well run for a decade now. So we can kind of sit there and figure that out. But I do think that you you look at it and you say, okay, can you make the changes necessary? That's where I'm not sure is is the case, right? Like we can talk about it. And I said in the last episode, I don't think Dennis Allen should be the coach of this team. Like people seem to think that I'm sitting here carrying water. I'm just explaining to you why they say what they say. Um, but you know, you you can look at it and say, okay, 
you're nine and eight this year. Can you move forward? Can you improve from that? And if you can't, like that's where we're at right now. It's it's a it's a it's a pass fail class. I think I've said that before, but it's it's very much true this year. I think you got just above the line you needed to get at this year to stick around, and you're going to go with that now. You know, one interesting thing from Mickey in this in this press conference, and it was notable. Like, it's not you, we can make it up. We can pretend that it doesn't mean anything. Uh, we, we can ask whether maybe Mickey was on Dayquil or something because he was dealing with a cold. You know, the I joked about the gum chewing. He did say that the reason he was chewing gum was because he had a cough and the gum was helping him from hacking into the microphone. And he did cough several times. Like he wasn't making that up. But, you know, it, there was energy in that in that press conference. And I do think like you look at and I don't think the you know, he, he talked about Sean Payton. And I think that's a miss. I do not think that we need to compare the beginning of Dennis Allen's career with the beginning of Sean Payton's career. But I do think you can look at it and draw some parallels to 20, what, 2014 through 2016, the seven and nine years where I think you saw some things being ironed out that didn't exist before. Like there were wrinkles that came up that weren't fixed in time to salvage those seasons. But there were kind of come to Jesus moments and you figured that out. And I do think that's kind of the approach that Mickey is taking this offseason is you're you've allowed things to kind of fester and not be what they need to be. And that's what you're trying to fix. And I do think that in a lot of Mickey's comments, and we're not going to get into all of them. You know, he talked about Trevor Penning. He talked about Cody Burns and those coaches departing. And but I do think like the 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 crux of what he was the the message that he was conveying in this press conference. And again, there's a lot of it. Is you're getting back to the basics. You're 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 getting back to the things that made this franchise successful. And if you can do that, and you can and you can find ways to be productive in that in that vein, then you know, great. Cool. If you can't, then I think we're back here next year talking about a head coaching search instead of an offensive coordinator search. But here is uh, here's what Mickey had to say on the on the culture changes. You know, he talked about meeting with the team individually. Um, you know, he talked about why he won't tell us exactly what he said. But but this is what this is what uh, all that uh, broke down to. I don't like the word culture necessarily because I think look, we got really good guys willing. Um, and I think, look, a lot of things that I said to the players, I'm sure you guys are aware of it, were for the players' ears only. Um, I think collectively, though, that everybody, you know, if you ask, do you want to win, everybody stands up. They raise their hand, right? If everybody says, what, are you willing to do what's necessary to win? They all raise their hand. But sometimes we're not doing the things that are necessary to win. And that's on me. That's on me, 100%. We've got to... I've got to hold our guys to a standard to do the things necessary to win. And I think that I probably let that slip a little bit over the last few years. And so we're going to we're going to get that recalibrated. And so that's my message to our entire building. It's not just to the players or just the coaches. It's to our entire building. Is some of that stuff like extra homework to study and take care of the body? Like well, there's a lot of things. And, and uh I think I was pretty specific about what those things are, but that, that's really for their ears, not for your ears. Can I elaborate at all about how it's, it's on you if you don't deal with the players day-to-day? Well, look, I'm accountable for that. Um, you know, we have, we have a certain standard here, and, and, and look, some of it's out of our control. Um, you know, COVID, league rules, there's things that, that are out of our control, but that doesn't mean what we have to, that we can't have an, a, a standard that we, we set. And look, it starts with me, it does. And certainly, 
our, our uh, head coach and our coaching staff and all the people in the building are responsible for it, but it, it begins with me. Have you ever felt the need to have a meeting with the entire team at the end of the season like you did this year? Has that ever happened before? Um, I've had meetings with the team before. It's been a while. But I felt like there were some things that needed to be said to the players. Just like I think there's things that need to be said to the coaching staff and to our, our football operations staff, and that's going to be said, you know. Um, again, I think, I think maybe we've gotten a little too comfortable over the last few years, and so I want to make it uncomfortable. And, and so, yeah, I think that, that last part is important. And, you know, you can look at it and say it's all DA's fault, and, and, you, and it all comes back to the head coach, right? It all comes back to the head coach, and, and that's correct. That is how the approach should be. It always has to be that way. But I don't think things were happening this season for a majority of the time, for the amount of time you needed it to happen, in terms of people being accountable. <clears throat> Excuse me, I should be chewing gum. Uh, people being accountable, people doing the work they needed to do. And I think that's when, when Mickey kind of goes to the team and, and talks to them that way. That's the message. That's the message. Either you're going to do the work, or you're gone, right? Either you're going to be on, either you're 100% in, or you're 100% out. And that's why last episode when I talked about Mike Thomas and how I think it's time for the team to move on from Mike Thomas, that's kind of what I look at. I mean, like, yes, this is an incredibly talented player, but I'm not convinced that he's on, he's in, he's on board with the program. And like it or not, this is the program right now for at least one more year. Um, and so the question is, can you get to a situation where it's it's acceptable. You know what I've talked to, I've heard people say, oh, the strength of schedule next year is going to be so crazy that they're going to have five wins. And I hate to break it to you, but the strength of schedule and strength of schedule for the Saints in 2024 is number 32 in the NFL based on this year's records. And that's what the strength of schedule is. It is this year's records projected to next season. Why is that? You're still playing in the NFC South. For this, it's the same reason the strength of schedule this year was easy, because it's the NFC South. Right, so that's not going to change. You could talk about Bill Belichick going to Atlanta. Count me among the people that does not think that Bill Belichick is still a guy that worries me in terms of understanding the NFL and and being able to succeed in in the modern era of football. Right, so like I'm not that worried. Maybe two years down the road, if he can build that that culture the way he needs it, they still don't have a quarterback. You know, like the Bucks are going to have to pay Baker Mayfield. That's going to be funny to watch. So I I guess I'm just not worried about it. Like. You have to come back next year and be better and finish the season the way you or start the season the way you finish this season, right? And you could get halfway through the season and fire the head coach, but on the road to there, you got to fix these issues and you got to get the young players to buy in, right? And you've got to have the veterans be the leaders. Um, and for for whatever reason, that just was not always the case this year. Um, and so you know that my my. My takeaways from Mickey Loomis's press conference are a that you know he sees that this is an issue, but he he's putting it on himself, and I'm interested to see how that resonates. I also think there's a commitment to patience in this organization, and we're going to talk about that more in the offensive coordinator segment. That is kind of unusual in today's NFL. I saw at least one comment saying, "Well, you know, why why are we comparing DA to these coaches in the old era cuz coaches in the modern era seem to figure things out a lot more quickly and I don't know if that's necessarily the case. I just think coaches in today's NFL have a much shorter leash and the expectations are to win right away and you do not get time to build that situation in a way that you need to. 
Um, so, I, and I don't think that's necessarily the right thing either. So, you know, I, I, I I'm not sold that this is going to get fixed. I'm really not. I'm not sold that that Pete Carmichael was the biggest problem. Uh, and and we'll hear more about that in the next segment. But I am interested to see how they navigate this and how they adjust this roster, right? Can you nail the draft like you did in 2017? Because that was the biggest, I think that was the biggest driving force to the change. It was not only a kind of a rededication to the to the to the fundamental beliefs that kind of made this team successful in the first place. It was also nailing that draft. <laughs> right? It was finding what four immediate contributors and other and like, several other players who developed over time and were contributors down the road, right? Like I you need to see that again. You need to see that level of 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 draft accessibility or you know taking advantage of the draft right and i think you saw a bit of that this year i think you saw a couple really nice picks this year in terms of i, I really like jordan howden i really like brian brzee you know i think there are pieces like kendra miller i actually as as annoyed as people are that he missed a good chunk of the season i actually think he played very well when he got the opportunity so i wouldn't be surprised if you go into next season and he's your i wouldn't say he's your lead back but he is, you know, number two in that tandem, and the split is a lot closer to even than it was this year. And so that's that's kind of where I am. And I think when you look at this roster, it's an older roster, but you do have kind of that core group of young players that you're building on. And and when Mickey says he's excited, I think that's where you're looking. You're looking at that young group, the Chris Olaves, the Rashid Shahids, right? The Kendra Millers, the AT Perrys, you know, uh, the the Paulson Adebo, Alante Taylor, like these these young players, Jordan Howden, these young players that can kind of take the torch and and rebuild. Because I think when, the, when this team got into trouble, it was trying to kind of bridge that gap of not rebuilding, but also also massaging older players into this situation um, where there not everyone was on an even playing field in the sense of what the expectations are. And that's never a good thing. And you can put that on the head coach. You can put that on the coordinators. You can put that on the position coaches. You can put it on the GM. You can do whatever. But one way or another, that has to be fixed. And clearly the belief in-house is that you fix that by fixing issues, not necessarily starting from scratch. Because, you know, in, in a lot of cases, starting from scratch just means you have the same problems again and you have to fix them again. Um, and so I, the approach is, you know, plug the holes and, and go from there. Jury's out on whether that's the right approach. I'm not telling you that's the right approach. I'm just telling you that's going to be the approach. But all right, this is Inside Black and Gold. I am Jeff Nock. We'll be coming back. I want to talk more about offensive coordinator. There's a couple names that have been reported as already being interviewed or being requested to be interviewed. So we'll dive into those. Who might some other candidates be? Will there be in-house candidates? That sort of thing. But I think at the end of the day, the biggest thing is be patient because the Saints are in, are in no rush, as annoying as that's going to be. But all right, this is Inside Black and Gold. We will be right back.